Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Again Again, the podcast where we ask us if when you die, you can see any event in history and see how it objectively happened. What event would you see first and why? I am your host, Belle. With me always is your other host, Amanda. And with us is our producer, Tyler. Tyler. Hi. Oh, yeah, me. (laughs) (laughs) So today, our special guest is ourselves. This is kind of the origin story of the podcast. Yeah, we want to give you the uh, long-awaited insight into what our events are, what kind of sparked this beginning of this podcast. Um, We've been dropping hints about it, you know, through the episodes as they've gone on. So now y'all finally get to get to find out. So we're going to do this round robin style. I'll start, then Tyler, then Bellister, and then we'll circle back again for our second event. So, Amanda, if when you die, you can see any event in your personal life and see how it objectively happened, what event would you see and why? So, you know, I'm one of those people who, as a lot of people are, you know, watching videos of yourself, thinking back to things that have happened. It's a it kind of makes me cringe a little, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not too fond of, of thinking back on long ago times, but there is one event that is just so bizarre, so absurd that I would just love to see what actually happened, see if how I remember it is what actually happened. <laughs> I'm so excited. It all starts in fifth grade. In fifth grade, uh, and still to this day, I had a very close core group of friends. The year is 2001. The year is 2001. Ooh, good job, babe. Uh, And, you know, we would always obviously sit at lunch together, eat lunch together, play on the playground together. And one thing that you have to know about me to know the story is, you know, currently, current day as an adult, I think of myself as someone who's very patient. But when I was a child... I was very easily flustered. <laughs> I I would I would do a lot of <laughs> a lot of that, right? Yeah. So on this particular day in fifth grade, it's lunch. We've all sat down to eat. Uh, I very specifically remember that the lunch line was serving corn dogs. Ew. <laughs> And so something had happened that had got me really flustered. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> I would love to, you know, part of this would be to see what I actually got that flustered about. Probably nothing. Um, but I was just really frustrated. And I was I was having my little hissy fit. You know, my friends were like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And Your core group of friends. My core group of friends. <laughs> Karma was about to slap me in the face. I'm having my hissy fit. I go to cross my arms in front of my chest and kind of do like a a harump, you know? And right as I do that, right as I cross my arms, from across the lunch area, the total opposite side of the lunch tables comes flying a naked hot dog. And it lands perfectly in the cradle of my arms exactly as I cross them and do my little harumph. Now, you remember I said they were serving corn dogs, not (laughs) hot dogs. This was a wiener that had been derobed. 
Someone disrobed the wiener? Someone disrobed the wiener. <laughs> and sent it flying. A glizzy for you Gen Z listeners. <laughs> what? That's what a glizzy is? Yes. I've never heard that word before. I spend too much time on TikTok. Okay. <laughs> I'm just imagining the wiener schnitzel <laughs> mascot <laughs> naked flying across just the Just like lunch. flying like Superman. Yeah. Now, I have no idea what caused this hot dog to go flying. So that's part of what I would love to know. Did someone literally chuck the hot dog? Was it some weird accident that led it to go flying? And, you know, it was coming from the total polar opposite of the lunch area. So I highly doubt it was like someone who saw me and was like, I want to hit her with a hot dog. (laughs) Although maybe it was. I don't know. It was definitely a dare. You think so? It was definitely a bunch of kids like, like for some reason, messing with the corn dog. And someone was like, throw it. And then someone just threw it. And then everyone, yeah. Yeah. I mean, now, needless to say, I was already frustrated. I had just tried to punctuate my frustration. And then I got hit with a hot dog, which obviously made my friends start cracking up. So that just made me even more flustered. Oh, it didn't calm you down and break the tension? No, it did not break the tension. It (laughs) amped up the tension. And then it's like, well... Well, what do I do with this hot dog? I guess I just throw it away. I'm obviously not going to eat it. But it was just the most bizarre experience to be hit by a to be hit by a wiener. In general, is a unique experience. But when you don't see it coming, man, that's something. So, do you have? Did you have like enemies? Like, could you narrow it down who you think it was? No, I have no. I mean, here's the thing. Was there anyone at your school that was the heir to the hot dog throne or something? No, yeah, Oscar Mayer Jr. Cool. Oscar Mayer. Did you go to school with Oscar Mayer Jr.? No. Perhaps Ball Dog. Ball Dog. <laughs> Ball Park Dog Jr. Was Farmer John dropping off his young daughter on a tractor? <laughs> Who had access to naked hot dogs at your school? Enough to want to waste. See, them. I still. If why not just throw the corn dog? Why? Because they were fucking with it. <laughs> why disrobe the dog? They were carbo loading, so they took off the breading. <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. it was a kid who like went keto. Well, you know that seems like a thing kids would do. Is like I just want the the coating. I don't want the hot dog. That does seem like a kid thing. But then why throw it? That also Maybe. was a kid thing. <laughs> okay, what if I wonder if it? You're okay. describing kid behavior. I I'm imagining a scenario. A kid gets his lunch. I I, this, I shouldn't assume it's a male identifying person. A kid gets their lunch. They only want the outer shell. They eat the outer shell. What if like one of the uh, lunch workers or campus supervisors came over and was like, no, you have to eat your whole meal. Eat the wiener. And the kid was like, I don't want the wiener and checked it <laughs> so that the supervisor him. couldn't make them eat it. That, that definitely sounds like a draconian, like a bullshit draconian rule that a school would have. Like, like you, you have, have to eat, to this eat your lunch. Oh, Do you all so have like, any other of those, like, crazy rules at your school? God, I, I, we, we can't move on until we think of some. Because those were so frustrating and they were so dumb. Well, we, not in, I don't remember any elementary school, in middle school, the dress code rules were just ridiculous it was literally anything anything was considered to be gang affiliated yeah 
We couldn't wear oh, any yeah. sports attire. Yeah, you had to put tape over your, the logos on your hats if you wore hats. I remember that was a thing in middle school. I don't even think we could wear hats. It was so. I don't stupid. think we could wear hats. I like. I remember, and I also remember like the length of things. It was very specific for. Uh, I mean, I guess it was for everyone. Um, it had to be at least if you stood with your hands against your side to the first knuckle of your longest finger. Holy shit. And, <laughs> it, you know, I'm That's five. Specific. I'm five seven. I'm very average height. But I was I got my height pretty early. So, you know, in middle school, I was pretty tall. And that was always so hard finding things that were long enough. Yeah. Yeah. But the dress code was ridiculous dress codes in general are eh. but i don't remember any other really ridiculous rules oh i just know there were i don't know i don't mm. remember tyler do you have any other ones <laughs> um that they, rule sounds like a catholic school rule yeah and you, you didn't gonna go get, to a, you didn't go to a catholic school no I hit on the hands not. with a uh, with a ruler um no, but I, I know that they they would only let seniors leave for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> but um, there was, like, some requirement, so it wasn't, like, every senior. And I definitely remember um, after we took AP tests, a couple of our friends, for whatever reason, I couldn't, I don't remember specifically why, but they were not authorized to, like, leave campus. So they definitely, like, hid in the back trunk of someone's car, and then we went and got lunch, <laughs> and then they came back. Um I hated um, so, some of the workers, like the like the lunch staff or noon duties, I guess is what you would call them. Um, yeah. They they just went so power hungry all the time. Like yeah. I um I I came back to pick up my brother once, and they like wouldn't let him. Oh, no, 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 it it was the opposite. Um, he was out sick, and so he wanted to come and um check in with his teachers to get his homework. And like they, and it was like lunch period, so it wasn't even like he was disrupting someone's class. They like wouldn't let him go to see his teacher, and he's like, "I've been texting my girlfriend. Like, she says it. Like, she already talked to the teacher, and I can come like talk to them." And and they like they just would not let him in. So I think at one point, like we drove around to the other parking lot, and then like kind of snuck in, and they eventually caught us and got pissed. But um, <laughs> but it was just so dumb, and yeah. I it. They they were definitely power hungry. They they wanted to assert their authority on the children, and I I imagine that if they were a guest on this podcast, they probably had a a messed up childhood, which is what made them <laughs> as angry as they were as middle aged adults. Origin of the noon duty. Yeah, we should make that documentary. <laughs> I think a lot of times, and I guess it's not specific to schools, but a lot of times there are rules, seemingly just for the sake of having rules. And it's like when you're a kid, you can see through that bullshit. And and I'm sure for some of them there were rules, but it's like they were never explained. Right. Like, or were reasons behind the rules. But if, when it's just like, no, you can't do this. It's like, why? What's the point? Yeah. <laughs> you I know, mean, that yeah. never works out well. Yeah. So if you went back to this memory and if you inhabited your body, would you ever go back and like move out of the way? No. You would always let it hit you? I would always let it hit me because it's such a fun and like it's just such a f- an absurd memory. I love having it and being able to like reminisce about it with my friends. I would I do think if I were to inhabit my body and it happened, I do think I might stand up and be like, who threw this wiener? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out 
should have thrown it back. <laughs> that would be funny. I remember <laughs> one time in seventh grade, uh, the most horrible year ever. But um, I remember in the locker room changing to go to PE. And this kid, like a couple lockers down from me, had his shirt off. And he, he was like bent over getting something. So his back was like just bare. And this fucking milkshake out of, out of the sky just, boom, coated his back like it was a blanket. Like it was fucking crazy. I just remember like, I don't know, like standing there maybe putting deodorant on or something. Just boom. And <laughs> he just had... Imagine just having your back covered in milkshake. Oh my god! Like, there's no showers in middle school. Like, you just have to deal with that all day. Oh, you'd be so sticky. You'd be so <sighs> sticky, and you'd smell like fucking vanilla all day and shit. Uh, I, I just, I, I always like the way your friends remember that, you know, that memory of the hot dog landing in your arms. Mm-hmm. I, I will never forget the image of looking up and just seeing the impact of. Boom, just seeing the milk. <laughs> it was crazy. See, it's stories like that. That Earlier, Amanda, you said that you don't want to assume it was a boy who threw that. <laughs> As a former middle school and high school boy, I would put money that it was definitely <laughs> a little punk-ass boy who, <laughs> like, nibbled. He probably had, like, little, little gopher teeth nibbled oh, yeah. all the little... They probably chewed it off, off like of, corn. Yeah, the, the breading off. And then, wait, did it have the stick on it? Or was it stickless? No, there, it was stickless. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely something that some little asshole kid did. <laughs> and I imagine he was a little punk who uh, beat up ki- other kids. Yeah, this, I hate this kid. <laughs> People also would take the the gel deodorant and squeeze it all out and just run up and down the benches in the locker room <laughs> and spread it on the bench. So then you would like sit on it. Yeah, and there was there was a there was a you had even odds if you went into a, a boys' restroom at middle school or high school that you were gonna find at least one stall just covered in shit. Like, oh my God. I don't know if this is an experience that. Amanda, you experienced in women's restrooms, but like it, it was impossible to go like more than a week and not go to the bathroom and be like, oh, this is just covered in shit. I don't know who gets like enjoyment out of this or what kind of power they they take from smearing shit on the toilets. But that was a regular occurrence in, in my school experience. You know what that reminds me of? <laughs> no. Remember the the work shitting story? Oh my God. Yeah. You got to tell that. So my first job out of college, it was like a data entry job. Pretty boring. You know, big, big business office, just a bunch of people in cubicles. And there was one day that an email came out to everyone from HR and the email began and it was one of those where everyone opened it at the same time. So you heard like collective chatter in the room as it was being read. And it started with, in all caps, this must stop. <laughs> what a what a what a beginning. And then it and then it went further <laughs> down. Whoever has been going to the bathroom in the woman's restroom, this is unprofessional and rude. Not to mention unsanitary. It has been three times now, and this must stop. <laughs> And then it basically went on to say, like, you know, just more of the same. And and as someone who works in HR now, that 
HR director must have been so frustrated to well, just tell people what the person was doing. Well, I'll get there. I'll get there. That person must have been so frustrated to just put it. This must stop. I, just the way it was written got me. So me and my coworkers were like going on the to the bathroom on the floor. And we were like, have you seen anyone going to the bathroom on the floor? No, no. And, and, and you know, we were trying to talk about it like someone's peeing on the floor. Like, I don't think someone would do that. Like, and, you know, in women's restrooms, because you have to touch the toilet seat, if it doesn't look super clean, sometimes you'll try to do the hover where you hover over the seat mm. and let it go. Gotcha. But, you know, it's not always like a direct stream. So sometimes it splatters. So we were like, maybe that's what happened. No, that's not what happened. Asked around a little more. There was someone, an unknown, unknown person, who was going to the large handicap stall, going to the opposite end of the toilet, and shitting on the ground. Oh my God. Actively, they were on the opposite end of the toilet. This was not an accident. Oh my. This is premeditated. And we live, we worked in a building where you had to have a, a, key, a key fob to get in. So it's not like it was like, a vagrant or someone coming in and shitting. And I, it was someone I, with credentials. It was someone who worked there. And the thing is, there was one person who worked there who I know ne- she she wasn't in my department. I didn't even know her name, but I, I would always see her and just be like, I get a weird feeling about you. I get a weird feeling <laughs> like a week later. She left. She didn't oh, work God. there anymore. And so in my head, I was like, you are the corner shitter disgusting it's funny because when that email went out i guarantee everyone in that office had an idea in their head they're like it was barbara like like it i've seen like she scratches her ass and then sniffs it. it's definitely her (laughs) like everyone had someone in their head who they're like i would put money it's that person yeah so that might be fun i don't want to see someone shitting on the floor but i it would be fun to see the meeting with hr when they're like barbara we know you're the shitter Oh my god. We know it was you. <laughs> oh jeez. You fucking imagine. Ugh god. And you know, this was like a boring data entry job. So when that email came out, you know that's all anyone talked about for a week. You better yeah. hope they don't fucking call your last job as a reference. <laughs> <laughs> They're really punctual on time. They were really efficient with their work. They shit on the ground. <laughs> Why no, would they let go? Uh they shit on the ground. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Did she mention she shits on the ground? <laughs> it's on her resume. Um, innovative problem solver. <laughs> oh my gosh. Jeez. Oh, that's an awesome one. That's a funny memory. Yeah. All right. Tyler, I've talked enough. What event would you see? Mine's not as fun, but, uh, and it's actually not in my life. I, I think, um, I think it was Jessica might have mentioned this on a previous episode asking like does it have to be like your life could it be like ancillary to your family um so mine's kind of in that realm ancillary Um, you have an aunt named Larry what (laughs) (laughs) just Um, go with it (laughs) I'm just thinking of Larry the cucumber from (laughs) veggie tales um so growing up my my grandma my mom's mom she babysat us um quite frequently and so she'd pick us up from school. We'd hang out at home. Um, during the summers, when my parents were still working, she would come over during the day. Um, and 
my brother and I, we grew up and we lived in a cul-de-sac. And then there was a street, like a hill that went down uh, towards this park. And then across, like if you went over that street, there was another cul-de-sac. And in the, our cul-de-sac, we all had one of those those one, multi-unit mailboxes where you go. Mm. It's like on the corner and everyone's mailbox is in the same thing. Yeah. So we had a like a rule that you couldn't go past the mailbox when you're playing outside and it was as a kid I, I just it never clicked for me I'm like I, I don't understand like my grandma would be like standing at the window like watching and we weren't doing anything like we weren't hooligans or causing mischief we were just playing in the cul-de-sac riding our bikes doing normal kid shit um and I was just like, why won't, like, why is she getting so upset? Like, if we went a little past the mailbox, she would just, like, lose her mind. And I just, I, and I didn't get it. Like, as a kid growing up, I just didn't understand. And growing up, my, my, both of my grandfathers uh, had passed away. Um, on my mom's side, I, I never met him. On my dad's side, I, I knew him a little bit, but he passed away when I was young. Um, and my other grandma lived in Colorado. So my grandma and my mom, so I was really the only grandparent I knew. And we got older and I, and growing up, I knew that my, my grandfather on my mom's side, like passed away when my mom was a kid. I think she was like five or seven. She was, she was very young. Oh, wow. Um, early. yeah. And I, so I, obviously I never knew him and I had, I had heard stories about him a little bit and, um, he he played in a band and my mom i think has a 45 of one of his songs and mm. so I, I i would hear like little like stories about him um my doctor said i was going to be tall because my grandpa was tall that never fucking happened um <laughs> yeah earlier amanda's like i was five seven i'm like wow what a flex um <laughs> no i'm five seven now i wasn't then but i got most of it then well, I've never been 5'7", so... <laughs> I don't want my friends to listen to this and be like, liar! <laughs> so as I got older, um, I don't remember what led to this conversation, but I remember we were sitting in our living room at my parents' house, and I was talking with my mom, and she was telling me this story about my grandfather. And I guess he... He knew some obviously knew some guys he was pretty charismatic pretty popular and knew a lot of people and um i guess one day some people came over that my grandma assumed were like his friends and he was gonna go out on a boat with them and this was in ohio so um on a boat means going to lake erie um they didn't have the ocean um, gotcha. which it's funny. My cousins are like, we're going to the beach. I'm like, that's not a beach, but okay. <laughs> um, and so my mom's telling me this story and she says he was out and a few days go by and they like, he hasn't come back. They, they haven't heard from him. And this is way before like cell phones and, you know, iPhone tracking and all that stuff. So like we, they literally had no idea like where he was. And then finally, after a few days, um, he, my grandma got a call and his body washed up huh. on the shores of Lake Erie oh my oh my and gosh. he was, he was murdered. And my mom told me this and I was floored. I was like, holy How shit. Like at this time, well, when she told me this story, I, I was either in college or 
going to college. So I was old enough to like comprehend it. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't sit me down when I was like seven and be like, Hey, your grandpa was murdered. Um, but I was just so floored because I was like, that explains why my grandma always wants to have us in her mm, sight right. and why she doesn't want us to go past the mailbox. And ever since then, like earlier this year, I like tried to start doing like, like ancestry stuff and like map out my family tree and all that stuff. And I, I've like come across like obituaries. His, it was in the plane dealer, which is like the local paper in Cleveland. Um, and I, I, it's not, it's never been solved to my knowledge as to what actually happened oh my gosh. to him aside from he went out on this boat. Um, and then he came and then his body was found on the shores of Lake Erie. And so for me, I would want to see like what happened, like what went down. Yeah. Um, and again, I never knew my grandfather. Um, and it's, it's, it's hard to like, <laughs> like speak ill of the dead, I guess, but with him you know i heard the stories about him like playing music and you know playing in bars and all this kind of stuff but i also heard like other like the bad side of him like he was supposedly very abusive to my grandmother um he was supposedly like a member of the kkk like so i'm like are any of those elements play a role in this story (laughs) um and it's there's just so much mystery surrounding what happened because um my mom's this the middle child of her her two other siblings and so i i think she was seven and my aunt would have been like nine or something and my grandmother she passed away a few years ago so literally like no one knows like what What this what happened real real quick yeah real quick do you have you ever thought about why your mom waited till you were in college to tell you that um, cause before that you just thought he died, just, just he just died. died. Well, she, I think there was a progression. Like, like I, I knew that he died when my parents were young. I knew my grandma was primarily like a single mother for the majority of her kid's life. And then at some point when I got older, kind of that other element was revealed to me mm-hmm. um i don't think it was necessarily a conscious thing i i i'm sure that if i had asked younger like they would have been up front with me um just but yeah it was just i i was so like blown away and then as throughout the years as i've gotten like more pieces of information about this it just not only does it kind of fill in the picture of like who he was but it also creates more of a mystery as to what happened at the end of his life because like right before this i was like looking up um i was looking up uh i think his obituary um and it said he was a recorded musician his band was the swinging strings he played with dotty west he was murdered on whiskey island in the flats in cleveland and he was beaten to death and so um, someone someone quoted here, I think, it, I don't know who this person is, but they said, I was one of the people searching for him on the night he went missing. We kept calling out to him, got no response. We finally left. It was a sad time. So oh it's it's weird that when when we started thinking about like this podcast and thinking about like stories and events, this was the first thing I thought of because it's mm-hmm. it's something that is in my life. It would give, I think, 
I would think my, my mom and my aunt and my uncle, like a little bit of closure to figure out kind of what happened, but also just, it's one of those stories that you see on like murder mystery podcasts. Yeah. And so like if anyone, (laughs) if anyone out there has listened to a murder mystery podcast and they talked about James Bradley, like tell me what happened because I want to (laughs) know. But if you, if you, if you like, so if you knew what happened, do you think, well, right now, because you're reading about him, you know, on the internet, like I, mm-hmm. I can't get on the internet and just start reading about my like, articles about my family members, yeah. you know? So like, that's kind of uh, a, a unique experience. So right now, does, does he feel like your grand grandpa or does he feel more like somebody you're learning about? And if you do one day find out what the truth about what happened and about his last moments, do you think that'll help you kind of fill in some connection to you or will it still just Mm. be like that dude who you're just learning about? I think it's easier for me to be able to detach that from him as a family member because I never had a relationship with him. So for me, it's almost like reading a history book. Like we have, it's crazy right now. Like I, in my job, like I'll look at our roster of our students and it'll have their birthdays there. And there are people who their, their birthdays are, in or after 2001 so i'm like you're you're going through and you're like learning about like 9-11 as a historical event you're not yeah you don't have a personal connection to this and that's kind of how i feel with this because even though it's it's related to my family i don't have a connection to this person because i don't know them aside from the stories that i've been told from other people so i think if it would benefit anyone. It would be my mom and her two siblings because even though brief, they had some sort of connection with this person. Whereas for me, like it's, it's also hard hearing all the negative things about him because that's very much, that's very different than the world I grew up in and the world I want to raise my future kids in. Right. And so to think that I'm only a couple generations removed from something that horrific that's hard to wrestle with a little bit, but it's also a way to remind myself that even though this has been something that's happened in your, in your, in your family tree or your family history, you don't have to continue those things. You can move forward and you can make your own decisions and you don't have to follow kind of the path other people did, especially if they're people you don't know. Cause Absolutely. like, I'm not going to dis, I'm not going to disappoint someone if I'm not, if I'm not donning the hood. Um, yeah. like I'm and, just like, well, I'm not going to do that. You also don't have to carry responsibility for what, yeah. you know, uh, people in your ancestry have yeah. done, decisions they've made and, or, and uh, you know, um, uh, directions in which they've steered the family, you know, when they were, so to say, at the helm. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't you don't you don't bear responsibility for that. If anything, I think I think the stories about him, I think, help me have a greater appreciation and love for my grandma because she had three kids at this point, when he when he was killed, she now has to raise three kids who are the oldest is like nine and has to raise them and and get them to, um, you know, adulthood and, and help them grow. And the fact that she did that and my uncle, my aunt, my mom, they all are very successful in multiple different regards. And the fact that they then well, for my my mom and my uncle were able to then start their own families and kind of continue that just speaks, I think to the, 
dedication that my grandma was able to have to her kids and that's that's inspiring so if anything i'll i'll take that that she was given a really shitty situation and was able to make the best of it which is really inspiring yeah yeah that's incredible you said it was like a a few days that before from when he left to when his body was found that's what my mom told me um but she was also a kid at that time so i'm like there might be some discrepancies between what she remembers and what um what actually happened because like this this source that i'm reading online about it um says that they went searching for him on the night he went missing so i'm like because it wasn't a planned event i don't think um i think later on uh, my mom said that these these guys just kind of showed up at their house and i think he like before he left he said something to my grandma like i don't like i don't know like like why they're here i don't know what's going on or it was very much like this is not normal um but especially during that time because um he he died in 1970 wow Uh, 1970 that's way i for some reason i thought it was much further back than that but um yeah that wasn't that wasn't a time where my grandma's would be like you no you're not going it was very much like this is like the man of the house this is what i'm doing like i'm gonna go take care of this and and that's that and it's it's unfortunate do you think since you know you've heard some not so nice things about Mm -hmm. him do you think it was a situation where it's like let's take him out rough him up teach him a lesson or do you think it was like no let's just go out and then something happened from what i understand it was definitely like premeditated it wasn't like an accidental death mm. so i don't know i don't know the cause of who the people that who, who that committed the, that murder like i don't right. know was it like people who were very anti what he believed in or was it someone that he like owed money to like i have no idea and yeah I would be very curious as to what the motivation was. Um, not to say that the motivation necessarily m- makes it better or worse, but I would be curious to see, like, was someone doing this because of a personal flight against them or because someone felt that he was, he was, he was someone who is negative in like their social circles or a friend group to the point where it's like, you can't be around anymore. And I have no idea like that, I think, would be one of the the few elements I would be very interested to see if I were to go back and see what happened. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's a big one, man. It's yeah. a big one. It also it, it's when you said 1970, I don't know why in my well, I think I do know why in my head. I was picturing like 1920s or something. Yeah. Like. But, <laughs> but when you, you know, washed up on the shores of Erie, I think you said like Whiskey Island. Like it all does sound very like <laughs> to like a black and white. The silhouette of the fan. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It sounds like a like a pirate adventure. Yeah. Man. So that's so that's wild. that's mine, you know. Fun, fun topic for uh, to follow the uh, the hot dog incident. incident. (laughs) Yeah, that's an important one, though. You know, part of your history, part of your 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 family. Yeah. Yeah, I would wanna I would wanna find it for my mom. I think just so she would be able to have a little bit of closure. Like, I don't think it's something she thinks about very often, but I imagine that she was old enough to be cognizant of what was going on. So it's definitely something that has. I'm sure shaped who she is as a person 
And so I think to be able to like close that chapter definitively, I think would be, I think would be beneficial. Cause I don't think she has any worry. Like, Oh, is like, are, are they still out there looking for the rest of my family? Like I, I've never gotten the sense that that's a worry that she has, No, yeah. but it's one that I'm sure she's thought about like ever since that happened when she was a kid. Yeah. Wow. Can't imagine. No. Wow. All right, Bellister, your turn. Babe, if when you die, you can see any event, what would you pick from your personal life? I would pick... uh, When I was... I went to preschool. Me and my brother went to to preschool. Um, But for a little bit, I was the only one going because he was too young. And we went to preschool because my mom and dad were going to college and their college had a deal where uh, they had a child development center across the street. And if you volunteered a, a certain amount of hours at the child development center per week, your kid or kids would get free preschool. So my parents did that while they were going to college and it was across the street from their college. So um, my mom would go to school, do her classes, and then she would a lot of times come back across the street pick me up from preschool um, and then we'd walk back across the street to the college and go to the cafeteria and she would uh, get me food Um, and then my dad would come pick us up at some point I don't have memories of being picked up Um, or maybe we would walk home I think we walked home I don't know but but I would go back to that whatever you know 10 minute time span that is where you know I would I would want to I'd be I'd want to be like an observer sitting on a bench uh, to I'd want to see my mom like walk by, go across the street, you know, get me and then come back and go to the cafeteria and just to watch us, you know, in that time of our lives, because I don't know, it was just it. I don't know. My parents work really hard and I feel like it, for a lot of our lives, it was like, you know, working and working to the next step and to the next step and trying to get a little better and a little better and a little better. So I want to see that moment just uh, me and my mom, you know, kind of frozen in time. And then I also I have I have three siblings. So I, I, I don't really I, didn't, I never got time with my parents by myself ever. Like I, I can't really think of memories where I, I have I did things with my parents just by myself. So that is one where I, I can think of where it was just me and her and just kind of her taking care of me and stuff. So. Yeah, I'd go back and see that. I think that would be nice. Man, that is like a quiet, quietly beautiful memory. You know, it just, just, I almost get like the sense of like a, like just a a breeze. Like just being with your mom, you know, obviously she's going to school. She's got a young baby. Probably a little bit of a stressful time for her. For sure. But, you know as stressed out as she is you are probably totally oblivious to it you're probably happy you're excited to be getting lunch the funnest times of my life (laughs) you know like little kids you know you leave them for a couple hours when you come back they're always so excited to see you yeah you know it it, i would be so interested to to see the juxtaposition of her interior emotions before she saw you and after she saw you you know yeah That'd be sweet. Yeah. That's beautiful. So you'd want to be uh, like an observer. You wouldn't want to be in your body or in her body. 
No, because I, I want to see the memory with the distance that I have currently. See it with adult eyes. Yeah, I just want to see it and appreciate it. And also, I, I, I just, you know, I just get curious. Like, were there a lot of students walking around campus with toddlers? Like, you know, like, mm. you know, was it? <laughs> Was it was it like odd and you know I mean my not that my mom would have cared you know she'd take me anywhere but right. um, yeah just to see it and 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 see if if the the places that I remember from those times look the way that I remember them and feel the way that I remember them and 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 all that. Have you, you know, as a I'm going to use the term adult loosely, been back to that campus? No. When you were adult or teenager? No, we we went one time. If you remember, we drove by one time. We were we were in San Diego, mm-hmm. and uh, we we drove by it, and we saw the like the playground area. And yeah, that I was, remember that. That was cool, um, but uh, it didn't feel it didn't feel familiar, which is kind of kind of kind of sad. But also, I hadn't been there in like twenty years or something like that. But yeah, the uh, we 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 went and drove by that one time. But it's inch, you know, places that were very meaningful in a real sense at one time, and you know, you have you know now that you have distance, it's still meaningful, but from a distant perspective, it's always interesting to me to think like people keep forming relationships with that place. People kept going to that school, went to that cafeteria, yeah. and and they have ownership over it now. The only thing you have ownership over is your memory your of memories. it. memories. Yeah, every special place to you is a special place to many other people. Yeah. <laughs> That's like every time we go back to the, the area where we went to college, we'll go back for lunch sometimes. Yeah. It's always different. Something's always different. And it's it's weird because we still think of it as like, yeah, this is our turf. Yeah. But it's really not our turf anymore. No. It was. But That's because the city of Irvine likes to kick out small businesses. Well, yes, but <laughs> <laughs> we won't get into that. <laughs> no, that's... So, so Belle, you haven't, like, got out and, like, walked around that place? Or you just driven no. by? Yeah, we just drove by, which it would be fun to walk around because now that I think about it, See, when my brother started going to the preschool, I know we would get picked up. But when it was just me, I don't I don't know if we would get picked up. But, um, no, I'm sorry. When my brother started going, I know we would walk home. I remember those memories because we would stop at the liquor store, get ice cream sandwiches, and then walk home. But, uh, but so many, uh, it'd be fun to walk around because a lot of my, like, really fun, fun, you know, like, childhood memories that I love are just associated with downtown San Diego. And walking around because I was walking with my mom and, you know, she didn't, she wasn't driving. We only had one car and my dad was working and we would walk and, you know, a lot. So that's a lot of my memories are, but yeah, I haven't been back to walk around now. The only reason I ask is because, um, I think, it, I guess it's kind of different because it's, it's like a school. Um, but my mom, every time we go back to Ohio, she wants to go drive by our old home in Parma and my uncle is he's like he's like you shouldn't get out of your car around that area it's not a great area <laughs> but mom but my mom's like no I want to go like ask the person and like see if like I can step inside the house and like just see it oh my gosh. um 
and she she did like and would you they were let like, someone in your house just so, like, i mean I here. never <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it to me so it hit my ear so different too. like you're she really feels wait so you lived at that house too yeah for how old were you when you moved five, to california like five five and a half so I was young. So you were you guys were like a young family when you lived in that house. So I wonder if your yeah. mom has like, you know, those are do that place, that building, that structure has a lot of, you know, heartfelt meaning to her. Yeah. Mm. I mean, yeah. my parents have driven by a few times the house that they lived in. Mine too. When you know I what? was born, but I don't think they've ever asked to go inside. <laughs> I, maybe this is like a young, a young couple thing because my parents also. See, I don't know that they've ever taken me to... They always talk about, like, the first place they lived together when they came here. Um, and uh, But they don't, like, take me to it, but they talk about it. And I would rem- I remember them talking about it when I was still a kid and stuff. So, yeah, you know, it's got to be meaningful when you first step out as a family and you have your first place together as a couple or whatever. Yeah. You know? I'm sure I, I can totally see it being a thing to reminisce on, yeah. But no, I wouldn't knock to it and ask to go in. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, if I was driving by and the person was like on their porch. Like, I used to live here. I, I might be like, hey, I used to live here. How's it doing? Still is, got the cockroaches? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Or like, is the, the, the floor still squeaky? Yeah. And uh, whatever the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. But yeah, that's my personal life. That's the one I go back to. I love that. Yeah, that's fun. I like it. Yeah. All right. We want to go historical now? All right. Let's go historical. I'll kick it off. All right. Do it. So my historical event, as has been hinted at several times, is Bigfoot related. So I kind of think about it like if I've just died, I'm probably not super happy about it. Probably a little bummed. I don't want to see anything too serious. You're not stoked? I'm not stoked to be dead. So I don't want to see anything too serious. I want to see something that's a little lighthearted, a little like, ooh, this is cool. So that's why I chose Bigfoot. I have been interested in Bigfoot for a really long time. Same. And I actually remember exactly when it happened. Mm. When I was, I want to say it was third or fourth grade. Um, one year for Christmas, my grandparents got me a magazine subscription to National Geographic Kids. That's cool. And it was a great magazine. It was so cool. Um, But they did an issue that was all about Bigfoot. And I remember getting it. And right on the cover (laughs) was a still image from the Patterson Gimlin (sighs) film. Which, if that name doesn't sound familiar to you, the, the iconic footage of Bigfoot. That's what it is. You've all, I promise you've seen it. And so the whole issue was about that. Interviews with people who think thought it was real, interviews with people who thought it was fake. I think it maybe did like some cameos of like other, you know, cryptid type things. And I was like, this is amazing. I just, I, it wasn't scary to me. It was just so interesting. I was always a kid who was like very willing to believe in things. Like when I was really little, I was really into fairies. I would get like I would ask for fairy figurines for Christmas and for my birthday. So I was very into like, whoa, this could be real. This could be real. I'm willing to believe in this. 
But it also was fascinating, the idea of a hunt for it. And I don't mean like in terms of like a, like I'm going to shoot and kill it, but just, you know, trying to find the evidence, trying to solve the mystery of, of something, not something in the past, something that theoretically is right here and right now. So you would go back to... I would go back... I think I would center it around that specific footage, Patterson-Gimlin film, which I believe it was in Northern California. I want to say it was like 1964 or 5. It's not like people hadn't heard of Bigfoot before then. They had, but this was, I think, kind of the big, like, earth-shaking footage. Um, And these two guys, Patterson and Gimlin, can't think of their first names, Um, had actually gone out specifically looking for evidence of Bigfoot. Um, And so when I say that, I'm sure a lot of you are going to be like, well, then it's fake. Maybe. I don't know. Um, But the footage that they found is the longest footage that I've ever seen. And it's that iconic footage of a Bigfoot walking, and then it turns its head and looks back at the camera. And that moment is just so so intriguing so yeah. interesting if, if it's real that moment is incredible well it's not only we caught it on camera it's also we caught it on camera and it knows we did you know it knows we're here it's acknowledging us right and it doesn't give a fuck <laughs> and it does not give a fuck yeah so I, I would love to see that to me it kind of embodies like the whimsy and the wonder that you can have in life but it also like if it if it was faked if it was faked i don't know that i would be sad uh-huh. because i don't think that really takes away the whimsy or the wonder because the fun times and the the thoughts and the the you know the fantasies that you've had in the possible other worlds and other dimensions and stuff that that's all enjoyment you know? right well and you know, if I'm there, if I'm, you know, a, a fly on the wall watching and it is a real creature and I see it, I'm sure I'd be like, holy shit, it's there. Probably it would probably feel like you encountered like a lion in the wild. Right. You'd be like, rewind, rewind, rewind. <laughs> I'm already dead. He can't kill me again. <laughs> but if it was fake, then that means when I go back and watch is these two best friends in the woods trying to fumble three three. Well, yeah, and and the Bigfoot fumbling, trying to get into this costume, you know, probably having, you know, doing a few takes and saying, no, you're you're walking too fast. You need to walk slower, you know, you need to turn and look at us, man. You need to turn and look at us and like, can you can you give me a grunt? How about a grunt? You're walking way too fucking slow. That's supposed to be fast. But like somehow the idea of saying that is almost a little more like <laughs> entertaining. Well, because then you're in on the secret, you know? You're in on the secret, yeah. The secret is not that they caught a Bigfoot on camera. That's supposed to be the truth. Mm-hmm. The secret would be <laughs> that... That they faked it they and faked people it. are still talking about it how many years later. Yeah. Which, uh, I, I got a... You know, that's a pretty harmless one, right? If that's fake. I mean, they didn't hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. They might have, you know made people you know like go in different directions and be like oh i want to be this i want to be an investigator or big for blah blah but it's pretty harmless i feel um and <laughs> well, and bigfoot was a thing before that so just because that's faked doesn't mean that bigfoot is fake no but what i was gonna say is can you 
if if I were to get, task you with creating a fake video, anything you want, and just making it a viral sensation, this dude, they went viral before viral. Like, mm-hmm. this thing is still famous now. Like, if they faked it, it's like the best fake footage ever. Ever, yeah. Except for the moon landing. Oh, bless <laughs> don't even, let's not go there. <laughs> Did you see the video? Uh, oh, I don't remember which which astronaut it was. Um, I think it was Buzz Aldrin, um, and it was recent. He um, uh, someone came up to him and like basically was like confronting him. Is like how how could you live with yourself for like faking the moon landing? And he punched he just him straight right? up punched yeah. him in the face. Yeah. Which I'm, you know, I'm 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 not for violence, but uh, you know that was a pretty like I don't know. I'm for violence against dumbasses. I, I, I appreciated the energy behind that. But yeah, I've watched videos trying to break down why the moon landing was hoaxed. And once they start getting into angles of shadows, I'm like, I, you could be telling me total bullshit. And I wouldn't know right now that I can't. I'm not smart enough for this. I gotta turn it off. The people talking about it don't know what they're talking no, it about. Makes, they're idiots. It makes no sense. I don't understand. And that could be because they're full of shit. It could be because I just. I'm not smart enough to understand. We went to the moon, moon in, in 1969, 1969 not 1968, but one year later. <laughs> if you're a 90s kid, you know what that's from. And it's now stuck in your head. Sorry. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, that'd be so much fun to go back and, and see. Yeah. It's so much fun because then you'd be like, okay, got that one done. Maybe I'll come back to it next. Like, go to the next one. Next. next. Loch Ness Monster. Loch Ness Monster. Definitely Next. fake. Next. <laughs> All right, Tyler. What would you go back and see in history? All right. So, um, this is more recent history. Um, it's a fairly well-documented um, incident, but I would love to be there to see, like, all, like, the synthesis of the plan, the the heist, the theft. Um, it's, it's very not this dramatic, but so... Um, anyone who knows me uh, knows that my favorite baseball team is the Cleveland Indians. I attribute that to my grandmother, um, and it's been something I was I've been able to bond with my mom over the past few years. Um, and despite them kind of being annoying with me recently um, with how they've been playing, uh, there was a time back in the mid '90s when I was a kid. Um, they were the they were some of the best teams in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, the t- like Cleveland, the city loved the team. They sold out. I think it was like 455 games in a row or something like that. Wow. And it, it was, yeah, they had a new stadium open in the, the nineties and, uh, my mom will still call it Jacob's field. And they sold out like, I think it was like something like 455 games in a row. How many Whereas games now, are in a season? It's like 144. Well, at that point it was that. And then it was, now it's 162 but you cut that in half because half your games are on the road so they sold out over a few seasons um and the reason that cleveland was so popular at that point the new stadium helped because and it's it's still there and it's beautiful it's right in the middle of downtown um but the team was also really good and they had a lot of really um just exciting characters on the team one of which um was a player by the name of albert bell now Albert Bell basically is is a meathead, and <laughs> <laughs> like if and if you were if you were a Cleveland fan in the '90s, you loved Albert Bell because that dude 
was insane. He hit home runs farther than almost anyone. The year that this incident happened was 94. And um, for anyone who listens who knows baseball statistics, he was batting 357 that year and he slugged 714. A Hall of Fame slugging percentage is 500. He was slugging 714. That's how good he was. In 94, and this was the year that the season got shortened because of the the labor strike, which is sad because Cleveland was on a trajectory to maybe disappoint fans in the World Series again. (laughs) But anyway, um, so in July, they were playing a game in uh, Chicago against the White Sox. And Albert Bell, uh, in the first inning, the manager of the White Sox had a tip that Bell's bat was corked. Um, and for those of you who like don't know what that means, um, you, it's it is very much not allowed. Um, you like fill the inside of the bat with cork material. Um, it allows you to hit better. And the umpires inspected the bats and they confiscated it. Um, they didn't do like an inspection at that point, but they confiscated it. Hmm. This is also the time when steroids were just rampant right. in MLB. Yeah. Um, so I. I I don't think he's ever confirmed it, but I, I guarantee Albert Bell was taking steroids <laughs> for sure. Um, so they took this bat and they they locked it in um, the umpire's uh, like dressing room um, in one of the lockers. What? Um, his, his private quarters. Ra- okay, random already. We already kind of weird. So <laughs> it gets it gets hilarious, and I w- this is why I want to be here because. Um, the team, they knew the bat was corked. They knew that once they the game was over and they did the inspection on the bat, they were going to see that the bat was corked yeah. and he, Bell was going to get in trouble. So instead of just saying, yeah, you know, it's corked, like we'll take our punishment, they decided we need to get this bat back. Oh <laughs> During the game. During the game. Oh, my, oh my God. Gosh. This is the plot to the funniest movie ever. Can I just <laughs> say, before you tell us what happens, I don't know why this is a team of grown adults immediately my head goes to like kids like sitting on top of each other's shoulders with the large trench coat <laughs> and the hat i don't know why i get i'm getting that energy i'm so excited yes tell me why. um you so, <laughs> so it's not even that they they the person that they they employed to go get this bat uh was one of their relief pitchers so to me, I'm like, what if he has to pitch? <laughs> Someone but, you might need. So he took a bat from another player on the Cleveland Indians. To, he was going to swap it out um, with the the corked bat. And <laughs> how he did this, he went up through the ceiling and crawled oh through the ceiling gosh. with a flashlight in his mouth. What? To get to the umpire's room, and then he switched the bats and then came back to the clubhouse. Oh my gosh. During, and this is why they were baseball players and not espionage uh, (laughs) experts, is because at some point during the game, one of the custodians noticed that there was um, clumps of ceiling tile on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) And then twisted metal brackets in the ceiling. Um, And then after the game, uh, the umpire who had taken the bat uh, during the game, went back and he noticed that the bat was different. It looked different. It wasn't as shiny. It also had the other player's signature stamped on it, so Albert <laughs> Bell's signature so, wasn't on it anymore. Big giveaway. Um, and at this point, 
the White Sox don't know that the Indians did this. They just think they've they've been burglarized. <laughs> um, and so they they were the White Sox were threatening charges against the burglary. Um, then investigation started. That wait, wait um, this goes beyond that night. Yeah, they they brought in a former FBI agent oh to figure this out. Um, they dusted the equipment room for prints. Oh. Like it was it was a whole thing. The relief pitcher was um, shitting himself. Yeah, so, seriously. Uh, eventually, it was it was determined that like Cleveland was in on this, and so the American League basically ordered Cleveland like you have to produce this bat. Like we know you have it, you have to give it to us. Yeah. Um, they threatened to involve the FBI, um, but once. Cleveland's like, all right, we'll just give you the bat. They dropped those charges. And then the bat was then sent to MLB headquarters in New York. It was x-rayed, and then it was sawed in front of Albert Bell, which is the funniest part of this story, (laughs) is that he was standing there as they sawed his bat in half to see (laughs) that it was corked on the inside. Just, Um, I'm picturing just one solitary tear. Yeah, like there honestly might be video, of but it, a uh, really buff tear with veins. Oh yeah, with a muscle. There's I, there's also a video of him just decking a dude at second base. It's again, if you were a fan of Cleveland in the '90s, you loved Albert Bell because he was insane. Um, so he then ended up being suspended for ten games. Um, he appealed. The suspension was reduced, um, but then it ended up not even mattering because then the season ended because of the labor strike. But. Um, <laughs> It's just so funny, and I I want to see who came up with this plan, who went and and employed Jason Grimsley, their relief pitcher, be like, hey, you're the one who's gonna go up in the ceiling to go get this bat. <laughs> um, I want to see like Bell's reaction to see like if he was nervous. I don't think he. I assume he wasn't because he was roided out of his mind. Um, <laughs> but I, I just I want to see how that whole thing came into fruition and then how it was executed because for a moment Jason Grimsley had to have thought like I'm a secret agent like I'm a Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible I pulled it off I mean I think I'm gonna start (laughs) I feel like if you go back and see this event you should be allowed to take a radio with the Mission Impossible music it was so fucking funny dude (laughs) that is so hilarious Baseball in the 90s was wild, and I think this is a story that just completely encapsulates just how bonkers MLB was I wish in I the knew, mid to late 90s. Like, what inning that bat got locked up? Like, how much time did he have? And I wonder so, if the Indians did any, like, deliberate, like, time-wasting, like, just to, oh, like... like probably. <laughs> be like, man, so he's says, really taking his time on the mound. So, the, the info that I pulled up about it says that... Uh, the White Sox manager um, was tipped off about it in the first inning. Oh. And so Bell's bat was taken in the first inning. Right and then the the custodian noticed the the ceiling tiles and stuff in the sixth inning. So they basically, this whole thing transpired within the con, like five innings, basically. Who do you think tips off the coach on that? Um, the team they played last week? Or like I, who, I, whoever had like the second highest slugging average it on the Indians. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm trying, man, but he's using a corked bat. But that dude, that dude's cheating. I mean, I am too, but so is he. <laughs> he's just better at it than I am. Yeah, I have no idea because like in the 90s, like everyone was on steroids. I'm sure I know Albert Bell wasn't the only one using a corked bat. So it's like, how do you determine like 
yes, Albert Bell's the one we're going to scapegoat right. in this whole debacle. But um, I love that my team has some really random kooky history. Um, if anyone's ever seen the movie Major League, um, it's one of my favorite baseball films. And I'm surprised that this, well, I think I think Major League was made before this happened. But if they were to remake like Major League, I would want something like this to be involved. Do you, as a sports fan... And as a, a sports fan with loyalty to a team, does the fact that cheating happens and oh, that you oh. know it happens does it does it does it make it less impressive for you, less exciting? Um, so it's 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 interesting because right now, um, within the last week, there's been MLB has decided that they're going to start um policing pitchers using sticky substances on the ball Mm -hmm. um which has been like it's been a thing forever like pitchers use pine tar they'll use sunscreen they'll use like spider tack like they'll use anything to try and to to like get an edge and this has been happening for years it's kind of one of those things that everyone kind of knows about it um and so like that kind of cheating it's like i don't condone it but like i get like everyone's kind of doing it and the league's not doing anything about it. Like, the league is just allowing it to happen because they know what's happening. They just decide, like, it's fine. Like, whatever. Um, but now when they step in, it's like, okay, why all of a sudden now do you care about it? Right. And there was a pitcher who actually recently, he said, I honestly think that's what caused my injury because suddenly MLB is cracking down on these things just, like, overnight. And now our, like, we have to readjust our bodies from what we've been doing, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny because it's like, well, you've been cheating. But, <laughs> like, if everyone in the league is doing it, like, I, I get what he's saying is that now all of a sudden my body, at and especially at a professional major league pitcher level, like, your body is tuned to do things in the same repetition. And if you deviate from that, you could have serious injuries. Right. So that kind of cheating doesn't bother me as much as like what the Astros did right. a few years ago <laughs> when they were like stealing signs. But and like stealing signs is part of the game. Like if you're on second base and you see the catcher putting a sign up and you tell the batter like that's on the catcher, get better signs. But when they're in, like implementing like a relay system with like trash cans <laughs> and they have someone in the outfield like using like a telescope, Real espionage. like there's right yeah, exactly like that that shit is wrong and like they. MLB also just didn't punish them for that. So I don't want to turn this podcast into a rant about MLB and the commissioner, <laughs> but I will. Um, so that kind of bothers me. And I, I give a lot of credit to a lot of the Astros fans when that came out. A lot of them were just as pissed as everyone else because they're like, it, I feel like the championship my team won is tainted because they did. This. It is tainted. Right. And, and yeah, it is. It, it absolutely is. And, there are definitely some who are like, you know, they're just like, suck it, we won. And they those people suck. But I think most of the Astros fans I've seen online have been really upset about it. I was going to say, to be a, a to be a true sports fan and to love sports like we do, is to know that cheating is always happening or someone is always attempting to mm-hmm. cheat. It just, yeah. in every sport, whether, whether it's the players cheating or whether it's the organization being shady, or whether it's fucking money, like big money, and like, oh, this match turned out this way, and blah, 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 blah. Like, cheating in sports, it just happens. Like, it's unfortunate because the people with the money are the ones who fund the sports, and they don't give a fuck about the sports. They give a fuck about the money. Um, yeah. 
and and Bellister, you're 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 a big soccer fan, yeah, so, so you you know about corruption at the sports level. Oh my level god! If you want to enjoy <laughs> soccer as a fan, you have to like constantly push down the fact that you know how much corruption there is yeah. in fucking sports. Like it's it's just a con. It's and then like it's like well well why don't you just if if it's gonna if, if there's any cheating why don't you just stop watching it it's not it's not real it's not authentic but it's like then what will I there's nothing else like there's, what will I have like you know I, yeah. I love sports but yeah man like when you get mixed money with it and and it gets international and all this stuff it, it can get ugly but but uh, that is such a hilarious story that to go back and see a, 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 an event in history. Yeah. So I would, I would tag along with you. That's such a fucking funny one. Yeah. <laughs> I would, I would want to be like a fly so I could be up in the rafters following, <laughs> following Grimsley <Yeah. laughs> just to see like, is he nervous? Is he worried? Does he make a sound? And then he has to like freeze. Cause he worries someone hears him. Oh like, my gosh. like I, w- I would love to be able to observe that like in, in totality. Did he shit in the corner? <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's great. All right, Bellister. Your turn. What event would you see in history first? So, I would go back to a Def Jam show. It was in the 90s. And the story that I've heard, the lore that I've heard about this particular Def Jam night is that everybody was going up and they were bombing. Everyone was going up and bombing and bombing and bombing. And Def Jam crowds are notoriously tough crowd so um yeah, i guess it wasn't that out of the ordinary but you know it was a it was it was bad everyone was bombing bombing the crowd of stuff and blah, blah and bernie mac was on this show and people were bombing and people were bombing and comic after comic bombing 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 and then bernie mac comes out and the first thing bernie mac and you can find this clip on youtube it's one of my favorite clips ever the first thing bernie mac says is i ain't scared of you motherfuckers and <laughs> and from that moment he had the crowd like like he switched them immediately like he he i just i would love to be there to see it as an audience member to to i would love to be like a reluctant audience member and be like boo and be like a tough audience member and then experience a switch like when he comes out and just takes control because he wasn't like, oh, I'm going to do my, he, he, he wasn't like me, like, oh, I'm going to go out there with my really, I'll try to do my good jokes and hopefully they like me. He was like, I don't, I'm not scared. I don't give a fuck. Everyone's bombed. I'm not afraid. Like what the power that you guys think you have over the comics, you don't have over me. I'm not afraid. And here's how this is going to go. And he just laid jokes after joke after fucking, fucking, oh, such good jokes and every in between the jokes he would go back and say i ain't scared of you motherfuckers and they he murdered like like you hear people telling stories like murder like people jumping people killing and and he fucking killed so i would go back to that um to be an audience member but i would also love to um to be like backstage right because you know how it's been going and how it's been going and then when you're a comedian and people are bombing and stuff, you always are kind of like, ah, fuck, I don't want to bomb. But then also you're like, okay, hopefully I'm the one who switches it around. And no one was doing it that night. And he went up and he's, he didn't even ask. He's just like, this is how it's going to go. And so it'd be great to be like, holy shit, Bernie fucking laid it down. Well, I would be so curious to know, what was he, what was his energy before he went on stage? Was it like, fuck this, I'm going to do my thing? Or was it the energy of like, 
I'm shaking in my boots. I'm trying to compete. <laughs> you know, like that scene in Cool Runnings. Yeah. I, I see pride. I see power. <laughs> and it's like it starts off weak and then you get stronger and stronger convincing yourself. Like, I, I'm curious, like, which one was it? I feel like he was he was not nervous he at was all. not nervous he if, was even just... if he didn't kill he would have done it the exact same way i feel like mm-hmm. it was it's so it's just amazing it's so, to watch it it's it makes it pumps you up it makes you smile it's like this is fucking incredible this guy how he went up and just fucking did it yeah because you know you know when you're in an audience you do like it, it you get like a group energy a group breath you know so when it's been like boo 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 like I would imagine the audience kind of like wants to boo you. They want to. The, that's the energy. That's the excitement is like hating on the performers. <laughs> so I cannot imagine how intimidating it would have been to be in that room and be like, no, I'm not doing this. Yeah. Man. He also, I believe, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, he was wearing jeans and he had a, his own face like a, uh, what's it called? The. When you like spray? Oh, spray painted? Not spray painted, like stenciled. Oh, uh huh. He had like his own face, like painted on his jeans or stenciled on his jeans. He was wearing like a sick ass, colorful '90s shirt, like, um, and he's, ah, uh, it's just amazing. I, I, I would love, if, if one day I, we get to go back and look at shit, mm-hmm. you know, um, I would definitely go, go back and and see that one. And that'd be great. I would even bomb before him. I'd want to be a part of it. Like, please, I just, I want part of this. It was so amazing. So, I, what, what, I mean, was there someone who had to go on after him? <laughs> yeah. I mean, was the, was the crowd just turned in their favor? Or do you think they went back to just booing him? There's no way anyone else did well. Like, it, it <laughs> because, like, yeah, there's that, the, 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 the crowd is like, well, he did that. What are you going to do now? It's like, uh-huh. I can't do that. Yeah, no. I feel like everyone bombed at him. Oh, man. That's so... I definitely think, like, iconic moments that are iconic to a group, shows, concerts, things like that, it would be so interesting to go back to because it's it's that group energy, that collective energy and excitement. Yeah. That is, you know, such a very human thing. I mean, people love it. I mean, Tyler, you go to lots of concerts. I mean, that it's a thing people crave that energy. Yeah, it's there's a difference between viewing an event in the comfort of your own home and versus being at the event and viewing it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I'm I'm glad that my buddy when he introduced me to LAFC, it was by taking me to a game as opposed to showing me on TV because I don't know that I would have developed the same love of yeah. watching the team and the sport if we had just been, like, kicking around at home. Because, like, if you're at home, you can, like, be on your phone. You can just be distracted and, like, not invested. Right. But, yeah, what you say, Amanda, about, like, the, the energy that people bring, like, being a part of a collective something is really is a huge deal. And you get that in concerts, sporting events. When, when a stand-up comedian is just, like, in their zone, like, it's it's an incredible feeling and you remember those nights um i i would be interested to see comedians because you hear a lot of comedians when they get super famous they'll say like oh yeah my first shows i was terrible i bombed i'm like i can't envision that like i can't envision you being bad like i want to see you be bad and actually like 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 i don't really like stand up all that much but like george carlin's like a, a pretty iconic legendary comedian like 
I'm sure there were shows where he he was booed and he was terrible, but I also feel he probably had the same energy that Bernie Mac did. He was like, fuck you, I don't care, <laughs> yeah. because that's who George, George Carlin was. But I want to I want to be like, are you just being humble, or did you actually struggle? Because, like, I would really want to see that. Yeah. That would that that would be a kind of a cool thing to to historically follow the trajectory trajectory of someone that you're a big fan of whether it's comedian or musician or something you know yeah yeah i love the idea of that also because if you're if you're affirming it as you've just died what a great way to to like honor humanity you know but just like just like honor like yes this is what it felt like to be human to be in a room with a bunch of people like all excited all feeling the same energy all feeding yeah. off of each other well you said when you die you're not you're feeling kind of bummed and stuff and when mm-hmm. i die i feel like i'll be like whew, <laughs> done like finally thank god that's over let's go watch a comedy show yeah <laughs> spoken like a true millennial ballistic <laughs> got that shit done <laughs> check <laughs> I'll make those jokes, um, and my fiance doesn't always appreciate them. Like we'll be walking across the street, and our car will be coming. I'm like, "Go ahead, hit me, pay for my student loans." And she's like, "Tyler, don't say that." <laughs> I'm like, "I'm like, I don't want to die, but like, go but ahead, like a broken like, leg as long as I'm be fine. So bad. Yeah, but Biden is dilly dallying, so come on, <laughs> come on, Joe Biden. We're over here threatening to get broken legs. <laughs> come on, Uncle Joe. <laughs> Well, if I have to say so myself, I would say those were all pretty interesting events. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Always fun to just chat, the three of us. Um, And, you know, I think at the end of the day, there's 20 things that we would all love to go back to see. Oh, yeah, so many. I mean, but it's always, I just love seeing where someone's mind goes first. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll do more solo and do other events, I'm sure. Yeah. So thanks for sticking with us. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in, listening again and again. And I hope wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you're having a good time. I'm Amanda. I'm Bill. I'm Tyler. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye.